Hello, I'm Mariet Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to assist and inspire. Today's topic is Is autoimmune disease the canary in the coal mine? My guest is Anita Hamilton-Williams, functional medicine health coach from Johannesburg. Welcome back on the show, Anita. Thank you, Mariette. Wonderful to be back. To our listeners, after our conversation, it will be fun question time. Anita, for listeners who haven't listened to our other podcast episodes, could you please explain what it is you do? I help people get into great health. I help them to make changes in their nutrition, in their lifestyle, um, in order to achieve the health goals that they want to achieve. So we do it from a holistic perspective. We look at behavior change. We look at diet. We look at um, lifestyle habits. We look at mindset. And it's the combination of all of those things together that help to create a healthy person. Now, I heard that autoimmune disease is one of the top three health challenges we face. The other two being cancer and cardiovascular disease. Could you start by explaining what autoimmune disease is and perhaps offer us some examples? Sure. Autoimmune disease is defined as we we have a, a host of white blood cells, which is our immune system. And these white blood cells are designed in order to detect the antigens in our body. An antigen is any kind of harmful substance that can cause us harm. So if we look at things like a toxin, a parasite, a bacteria, those would all be classified as antigens. And what happens in an autoimmune disease is that the body does not um, distinguish between an antigen and its own tissue. And so it starts to attack the tissue from the individual. And obviously when your tissue gets attacked, there's a level of inflammation and that level of inflammation leads to damage, oxidative damage, and that oxidative damage draws more inflammation. And so we have the cycle that gets set up. So it's really a case of the immune system going against the body's tissues, and that it can be tissues or it can be enzymes, um, and this then leads to an autoimmune diagnosis. Now, what's quite interesting to note is that in Western society, one in 69 women under the age of 50 will be diagnosed with breast cancer. And we know that there's a huge spotlight shone on breast cancer and what we can do to prevent it and the awareness around that. However, one in nine women in the Western society will be diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, which is mind-blowing. You may think, well... Is that in a specific age group? Under the age of 50. I see. Yeah, which is really when a woman is in the prime of her life. You know, um, I think one of the reasons why we are not really aware that there's this level of autoimmunity that is almost become like an epidemic is that 
If we have a look at the different types of autoimmune disease, I'm going to name a couple of them. Some of them you, you may have heard. We've got type 1 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, Graves, psoriasis, fibromyalgia, scleroderma. There's actually over 100 different autoimmune conditions. And what you will see, if we have a look at the naming of an autoimmune condition, it's generally descriptive of the particular area where, where the tissue is being attacked. So for example, if we have a look at multiple sclerosis, where the myelin sheaths in the brain is being attacked, we have a look at Hashimoto's thyroiditis, where the thyroid tissue is being attacked. These are all autoimmune conditions, but there's no autoimmune tag on the end of it to say that these are all autoimmune. So you might be speaking to somebody that mentions that they have an autoimmune condition, but you're not necessarily going to be aware that there's such a huge prevalence of autoimmune conditions around. I think the other reason that that leads to the fact that we're not quite aware that there's this huge autoimmune epidemic is that different doctors or specialists look after the different diseases. So if it's multiple sclerosis, there might be a neurologist. If it's um, if it's something to do with endocrine tissue or hormonal tissue, then it's going to be an endocrinologist. We have different doctors looking after the parts of the body that that particular specialist looks after. And so we don't have one cohesive body that's looking entirely at autoimmune as a collective. And that's why when we think of something like cancer and we think of the research around cancer, when we think of anybody that's been diagnosed with cancer, we put that all in one bucket, so to speak, in our mind, and we reference it in, in as one collective unit, where we don't do the same with an autoimmune condition, because different doctors look after different parts of the body, they name differently, so we're not really aware that one person that's got lupus, someone that's got Hashimoto's, they actually have the same roots, but we really are not aware of, of that. We also have seen that there's this huge increase in um, autoimmunity that has occurred in the last 50 years. We are seeing, I think, some stats that I read was, and this is all mainly in Western society. These stats came out of Europe, and I think there's been a 6% increase in type 1 diabetes for children between the age of 0 and 4 years old. Sure. And we are seeing similar patterns in different age groups, and we are seeing similar patterns in Western society across the world over. I want to ask you, if you talk about autoimmune disease and you talk about autoimmunity, does that more or less mean the same thing? Yes, yes, you can use the two interchangeably, yeah. Anita, what are the conventional treatments for autoimmune disease and which problems are associated with this approach? Many. Um, when we look at autoimmune diseases, because they're looked after by many different specialists, the specialist that is looking after a patient that has got that particular condition is going to be looking at reducing the symptoms that that individual has got around the particular organ. So let's say, for example, Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's targets the thyroid. So the treatment that is conventionally given is to protect the thyroid 
and to give thyroid hormone so that the individual still has enough of the hormone in order for the thyroid to perform a function in the body. However, the thyroid in autoimmunity is really just the victim. What is at play here is that the immune system has gone awry. There's a problem underlying in the immune system. The challenge is not around dealing with the thyroid. The challenge is around supporting the thyroid so that it doesn't get damaged further. However, if we don't correct and don't address what is going on with the immune system, an individual with an autoimmune condition is three times more likely to get a second diagnosis of another condition. And so the immune system then just picks another target in the body and we have Hashimoto's, and then in five years' time, we have another diagnosis of another condition because the underlying cause of what has triggered that has gone unchanged. And so the immune system just continues in targeting additional tissue and causing additional problems. So conventional medicine says that genetics are a large part of and genetics may be the only part of what is causing this and that if you are diagnosed with an autoimmune condition it's genetic you know luck of the draw and there's not much that you can do to change it and you need to be on medication for the rest of your life in order to address it the medications that they would give you are around suppressing the immune system so that the immune system doesn't continue to attack the tissue and cause further damage. And the second area that they would give medication around is to suppress the inflammation in the body. Inflammation causing oxidative damage, causing more inflammation. So we're going to suppress the immune system, we're going to suppress the inflammation. However, that is not without its side effects. By suppressing the immune system, what our immune systems are designed to do is to protect us against friend or foe. And if we are suppressing our immune system, then who is doing that? What is actually protecting your body? It's a little bit like going on holiday and leaving your front door wide open, leaving your gates wide open and hoping that when you come back, everything is still going to be in good working order and no one's going to have caused any damage inside. It's a little bit like that because when we take the immune system off its post, so to speak, there's nothing protecting the rest of the body. And also re remember that part of the immune system's role is also dealing with cancer cells. We have cancer cells forming on an ongoing basis and our immune system naturally will kill them. And if we do not have a strong immune system and there's no sentry looking after that, then that's not going to happen at all. As far as reducing inflammation goes, if we have a look at some of the medications that are given for that, they damage the lining of the small intestine. This is not perhaps, it's a very real fact that this happens. And the lining of the small intestine is where the nutrients from your food are absorbed. Your nutrients are the building blocks that run your body. And so if you are not able to get the nutrients that you need to run your body because you are damaging this lining, you now do not have the nutrients needed to 
fuel the body or to repair the body. And so you are further depleting the body of its ability to heal itself. And so introducing these very strong immune suppressive medications and anti-inflammatories do cause major problems in the body. And what I have seen with clients of mine is that they will start on an immune suppressive medication, which will work for them for a period of time, and then eventually it will no longer work. And then they will either go to something stronger, or in some cases they're told that there is nothing else that can be given to them, and they now just need to treat that particular condition symptomatically. And um, unfortunately, the immune system behind the scenes uh, is still being challenged by something going on in the body and will continue to get worse even though these immune suppressive drugs are being used and the anti-inflammatories because both of those are just treating the symptoms. They're not treating the reason why the immune system is actually doing what it's doing. And so there's definitely a genetic element Linked to autoimmune conditions, we can see it come through in family. There's often, um, you know, mother, father, or siblings that have also experienced autoimmune conditions. But the good news is that less than 25% of your autoimmune condition is caused and triggered by genetics, meaning that when we look at the 75% that's left, there is a huge amount that we can do to support any individual that has got an autoimmune condition. And just a question, when you have clients who've had their genetic tests done, then you are aware of exactly what, what's going on uh, with their genetic foundation? Yes, I do. And I'm glad that you brought genetics in because we often think that, or we may often think that there's a particular gene that says, okay, now you are going to get an autoimmune condition. There is no one specific gene that denotes or triggers that you're going to get an autoimmune condition. However, what we can see in genes is that you may, for example, have um, problems around your vitamin D receptors. Vitamin D is highly linked to your body's ability to support its immune system. Genetically, you may not turn off the inflammatory response as quickly as somebody else. You may also have detox pathways that don't detoxify and get rid of waste in the body. So there is no gene that says, right, you're going to have autoimmunity in your future. But the fact that you've got genes that impact your inflammation pathways, genes that impact your vitamin D receptors, genes that impact your detox pathways, certainly point to the fact that an individual is more predisposed to, a gen to an autoimmune condition. And looking back in their family history, you can see whether something is coming through there, which really leads us into um, the area that I'm most interested in, which is around well, what about functional medicine and autoimmunity? Yes, what about functional <laughs> medicine and autoimmunity? <laughs> okay, so I'd like you to consider that autoimmunity is not either something that you have or you don't have, but rather to consider it as being on a spectrum. And so we have inflammation on the left side of the spectrum, 
And then we have various levels moving up and then we have autoimmunity on the right side of the spectrum. Many of us are familiar with the term inflammation and we can sometimes even say, I feel like I'm inflamed or I feel like there's something going on in my body. I don't feel quite right. It just feels like there's an element of, of inflammation going on. Now, the more symptoms that you have pointing towards inflammation and the more frequent that you have those symptoms, the further along the autoimmune spectrum path you can be. Then if we have a look at genetics, that might push you even further along this autoimmune path. But what, we, what we've seen from research that has occurred from the last 50 years is that from a functional medicine perspective, there are three key areas that every individual that has an autoimmune condition is going to have some element of contribution from. The first area is around gut health. The second area is around your genetic predisposition to be inflamed or to have inflammatory markers or your vitamin D receptors. And those are not the only three, but those are just three I thought I would give you an example of. And then the last area is really around the environment or the trigger that actually fires the gun, so to speak, on autoimmunity. So it's the gut health, it's the genetic piece, and it is your environment or your trigger. And it's the combination of those three that then sets somebody up for an autoimmune condition. Could you please say more about each of these three areas? Okay, so let's start at, at, at gut health. Now, I mentioned earlier that the diagnosis of autoimmunity is less to do with the tissue that's being attacked and more to do with the fact that there's an issue or a problem with the immune system. And we know that over 70% of our immune system actually lives in our gut. And so that is where we need to start focusing on. What we see often, um, in fact, in over 90% of the cases around gut health is that the small intestine, which is where your nutrients are being pulled into the body, where waste is being moved into the body, is a semi-permeable area. And in individuals with autoimmunity, these um, permeable junctions can become enlarged, which allows more undigested food matter or more toxins or more uh, bacterial waste to come through from the small intestine and pass through the immune system. And the immune system, when it is faced with that, remember it's looking for friend or foe, and so it's checking and sampling everything that's bypassing it. If it doesn't recognize what is coming down the line, it's going to tag it, and then every time it sees it, it's going to mount an attack against it. So let's say, for example, that um, your immune system has decided that there's a specific preservative in food, or there is a specific toxin that it is exposed to, let's say in some beauty products that you might be putting on your skin. Every time that comes into your body, there's going to be a response to that. And we need to be able to, in those with, with autoimmune condition, we need to be able to find out what is it that the immune system is reacting to. Sometimes we can find it pretty easily. Sometimes we don't. When we don't, we can still heal that small intestinal lining 
which is that first form of your barrier defense, we can still heal that, and that will still then contribute significantly to resolving the autoimmune condition that you have. So first is looking at the gut health. The second is the genetic predisposition. So understanding what your genes look like, where they may need support. If it's to do with, um, let's say, vitamin D receptors, we need to look at vitamin D levels. We need to look perhaps at supplementing with vitamin D. We need to look at spending more time outside. So understanding what you need around the genetics area in order to support that. Then the last area is around the environment and, and the trigger. And this is felt to be the most significant area because um, I just want to go back a little bit and, and mention a doctor called Dr. Noel Rose, who from the 1950s has been involved in researching autoimmunity at Johns Hopkins University in the U.S., and if you go and research or have a look at any of the work he has done, he consistently points to the fact that the increase that we've seen over the last 50 years in an autoimmune condition is not because our genes have changed so significantly, because our genes take a really long time to change, but rather the environment around us is actually causing our bodies and our immune systems to go awry. And if we look at, you know, what, what do you mean by what's in the environment? So that would be the food that you are taking in, the toxins that you're exposed to, the beauty products you put on your skin, the cleaning products that you use, the stress that you are under, the sleep that you might not be having. All of these form part of an individual's environment. And what we often see in those with autoimmunity who've got the genetic predisposition is that there will be some kind of trigger. So it may be a bacterial infection, it may be a fungus, it may be a yeast, it may be some illness that you have, some stress that you go under, and this is the trigger that then starts this cascade. We then have an immune system that is now hypervigilant and is hypervigilant and responding to everything going on. Our immune systems, we, we are not victims. Our, our immune systems are incredibly, incredibly strong. And in fact, when we get sick from flu or from a cold, the symptoms that we experience is not as a result of the bacteria or the virus that's causing the symptoms. It's actually our immune system that is fighting and challenging the bacteria and the virus. And so our immune systems are really potent and really strong. But when they are exposed to this wide array of toxins, bacteria, stress, and there's this constant hypervigilance, it's a little bit like having a, a cornered, wounded dog that will do anything to protect itself. And if you've got a stick and you are poking, it's going to come out and it's going to try and attack you every single time, but it's damaged. I like to think of the immune system that's hypervigilant in an autoimmune condition like that. And so what we need to do from a functional medicine system is to, is to calm the immune system, is to look at the entire health history of an individual and identify what are the challenges that the immune system could be facing to heal the gut. And really, there is not one individual that has got autoimmunity that cannot benefit from that. That's good to know. 
Anita, what are some of the myths surrounding autoimmunity? I think some of the myths are that there is no cure for an autoimmune disease and that you need to be on medication for the rest of your life, and that is absolutely not true. Depending on how long an individual has had the autoimmune condition for, there may be a level of tissue damage that may not be able to be reversed, but you can certainly halt and stop the progression of the autoimmune condition, which I think is incredible, fantastic news. You may have some people listening to the podcast saying, that sounds untrue. How can that be true? Because if that was true, why wouldn't the doctors know? Why wouldn't I? That just doesn't seem true. And I just want to give you an example, maybe to put a little bit of context around it. And that is, I think it was in the mid 19th century, there was a Hungarian physician called Dr. Semmelweis, who, when women were going into childbirth, there was a very high rate of women getting childbirth fever, and they would die as a result of that. And in those days, there was no form of hygiene or cleanliness. They would work on one woman, and then they would take their bloody, dirty hands, and they would then move, and they would work and deliver a baby from another woman. And this uh, physician felt intuitively that there was a level of hygiene and health that could be introduced that would help these women. I think it was one in 10 women would die from childbirth during that particular stage. And so what he worked with his interns, and he said to his interns that we're going to wash our hands, we're going to use this chlorinated lime wash, and we're going to clean our hands, and we're going to make sure that when we work from one woman delivering a baby, we are not going to transfer anything over to the other. And there was this huge turnaround in the number of deaths. And I think the deaths from him and the interns that he worked with was less than 1%. And you would think with that example that the rest of the doctors all around him would have been singing his praises and saying, this is absolutely incredible. This is a breakthrough. And this is something really simple and really easy that we can do in order to make a significant difference to these women. However, that wasn't the case. And we don't know why. Perhaps the doctors felt that they were being targeted as being unclean. And from an ego perspective, they didn't really feel very good. And they just continued to do what they were doing. And they didn't make any changes. Dr. Semmelbass continued to have this amazing success with his patients. It took 50 years, 50 years, in order for that to be adopted as medical practice. Even though there was evidence that it helped his patients, that less patients died. It still took 50 years for a really small, relatively insignificant change, but that would make significant medical changes to be introduced. And so I think that there's a lot of instances where the approach to a particular condition is just perpetuated because that is what the physician learned in medical school. And we know even from current research that research papers that are published today take about 17 years in order to get into the mainstream medical fraternity and knowledge because that knowledge needs to be taught to upcoming medical students and that needs to be ratified and accepted and tested and then that generation then needs to move into practice. So research that is coming out today 
is going to take a long time to get into mainstream medicine. And I also think that this is where the fact that autoimmunity is such a difficult condition to treat, because what you are doing is you're looking at what is unique in that particular individual? What is unique in that individual's lifestyle? What toxins are they exposed to? What are their genetics like? So you are dealing with things on a unique individual basis. You are not looking for one pill or treatment in order to address everybody. And that's not going to happen because the reasons why individuals get autoimmune conditions are unique to each individual. They all have an element of genetics, gut health, and an environmental toxin. But the environmental toxin is going to be different for each individual. And so I don't want any of your listeners to think that just because I haven't heard of this or if I go and speak to my doctor about it, my doctor's going to poo-poo it. Yeah, they probably will. But I really encourage you to look at what is going on in the field of functional medicine in order to support your, your health. Because why wouldn't you make dietary changes, behavior, lifestyle changes, and a couple of supplements in order to have a better quality of life and not get diagnosed with an additional autoimmune condition because the immune system is still being challenged and there's still an ongoing, an ongoing problem with that. The second myth that I want to, to bust is that some of this information may not be news just to some of your listeners that might have an autoimmune condition. And they may have said to their doctors, what about looking at my gut health? And what about my digestion? And what about the food that I'm eating? And their doctors may have said to them, that's not going to make any difference whatsoever. But I bring you back to the comment I made earlier about the fact that this is an immune problem. And 70% of your immune system lies in your gut. And even if you are not having issues with your gut, if your gut, if your digestion seems to be smooth, if there's no diarrhea or constipation or gas or bloating or any discomfort, even if you feel like everything is going well in that department, there is still an element of gut health and gut healing because that is where the immune system is the strongest because that is where the immune system needs to patrol the most. That is where it is challenged the most. That is why it is where it is in our body because that is the doorway to the rest of the body and that's where it needs to protect you the most. And then the last myth that I want to bust is the one around going gluten-free will not help your health. Particularly for anybody who has an autoimmune condition, removing gluten 100% from their diet is extremely important. And the reason for that is gluten can trigger a protein in the body that causes this permeability in the small intestine to expand. And there are some individuals that are more um, susceptible to that. And we find that in those with autoimmunity, that certainly is the case. And so eating gluten will trigger this cause this permeability, and then it allows for things that are on the one side of the small intestine to get into the bloodstream and cross the immune system. And so by removing gluten 100%, you are going to be preventing that permeability from being more enhanced, and you are going to be causing less inflammation in your body. So if one tried that, um, 
How long should you make an experiment to see any results and what exactly should you cut out of your diet? So gluten is found in large quantities in wheat. So um, anything that is flour-based, it's also found in barley and it's also found in rye. So removing any products that contain wheat, barley, rye. So if we think of the most common products, that is our bread, our pasta, our cakes, our sweets, um, and also beer, because beer contains gluten being made from, from barley. So removing that from your diet, I would say to anyone listening, try it for two weeks. If you're skeptical, try it for two weeks, but do it 100%. It's a little bit like saying, um, if I'm taking cyanide, having a little bit of cyanide, you know, won't cause as much damage as having a lot. No. In this particular instance, removing gluten 100% is what you need to do. And do it for two weeks and, and have a look and see what happens to your inflammation levels. Does the inflammation start to reduce? And if it doesn't start to reduce, then you need to look at gluten contained in other foods. You'd be quite surprised. It's, it's found in um, things like some tomato sauces. It's found in some beauty products. It gets in everywhere. But I would say cut out your baked goods, anything made with flowers, your breads, your pastas, remove that. And you may find that for a lot of patients with autoimmune conditions, gluten is something that they have in their diet on a regular basis every single day having pasta for dinner, having a sandwich for lunch, having a muffin at work, you know, and there's this constant challenge and hypervigilance that the immune system is, is going through. I'd also like to just add that we all want to thrive. We want to feel well. We want to have glowing skin. We want to have a good digestive system. We want to sleep well. We want to have good sex. We want to have orgasms. We want our hair to be thick and lustrous. We want to be generally vital and full of energy. However, what I see with a lot of autoimmune patients is that the way that they want to be in terms of their health, the way that they are living, it does not support the way that they want to be. I, I refer to that because if you are not eating the right nutrients, if the food that you're eating is not nutrient dense, you're not going to have the result of that. If you are eating loads of sugar in your diet, you're not going to be feeding the right foods to the microbes that are in your gut. If you are not sleeping well, if you are incredibly stressed at work, if you are using beauty products and the toxins are being absorbed into your skin. In fact, beauty products are one of the areas where we can really be exposed to a high amount of toxins. And when we slather it on our skin, it goes directly into the bloodstream. Unlike food that we eat, which is more protected, because the food that we eat is broken down, digested, the immune system has a look at it, the liver has a check to see that everything is okay before it puts it into the bloodstream. And so if we are using beauty products on a regular basis, and we are putting loads of chemicals into our bodies that our bodies just can't tolerate the load of it, that can be a trigger for that. So we need to make sure that the way that we are living supports the health result that we want. And we often find that there's a mismatch between the two. Um, stress is involved as well. Dealing with stress, managing that, really, really important. 
just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of content on emotional and physical health, parenting, love relationships, and the life challenges and stages we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist, coach, or other wellness professional, so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who will resonate with you, should you need one. I've interviewed more than 100 well-being providers from different countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you enjoy getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, click on Up Close and Personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional, interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform or perhaps in a South African magazine. Take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now, back to my guest. Anita, where can listeners learn more about your work? So what I'd suggest that they do is to book a discovery call with me. It's a short 20, 30 minute call, no obligation call. There is no preparation that you need to do to get on the call. It's really just a conversation. And the conversation is about me understanding a little bit about your autoimmune condition, what is not working for you, what is working for you and then giving you some pointers for you for the next step. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to put a link below the podcast. I will, but you okay. can just mention the name of your website, please. Okay. So my, my website is called myhealingspace.co.za, and you can go ahead, book a discovery call. It'll give you access to my calendar. Hop on the call. There's nothing you need to prepare, nothing you need to know in advance. Just book a call. Let's chat about what you're going through and let's, let me give you some pointers and recommendations for next step because I can help you. And that's a free call. Yes, exactly. Anita, I believe you have three tips on supporting autoimmunity. So three tips that I would give your, your listeners that have got autoimmune conditions is the first is to replace the over-the-counter or prescribed anti-inflammatory that they are taking and to look and use a natural product instead that is not going to damage the lining of the small intestine and impair the body's ability to absorb nutrients. One of the products that you could look at using is curcumin. Curcumin is not very easy for the body to absorb and so there's very specific types of curcumin that you need to, to look at. I will recommend to your listeners that they could go onto my website, myhealingspace.co.za, and I do have a blog post there as an alternative to anti-inflammatories, a natural alternative, which will expand on that a little more. Then I would also remove gluten 100%. As I said earlier, it's not even just a tiny little bit. 
a little mouthful, one little spoon of dessert, 100%. You need to remove that and assess after two weeks and see, see what you feel. And then lastly, there are many doctors in the functional medicine world that have managed to heal and resolve and put into remission their own autoimmune conditions. And I recommend that you go and do some research around this, go onto their websites, go and have a look at them. A couple that I'm going to mention. The first is, is Dr. Terry Walls, W-A-H-L-S. She was in a wheelchair. She had multiple sclerosis. She is a practicing physician. All of these doctors are. And she healed herself from multiple sclerosis. We've got Dr. Susan Bloom, who's written a book on immunity. And we've also got Dr. Amy Myers, who she had Graves' disease, which is also thyroid-related, and she healed her condition. And um, myself, I had Hashimoto's. I had the beginning stages of Hashimoto's. I've got poor genetics pointing to autoimmunity. I had a number of environmental triggers that were causing issues for me. I had all of the blood markers of autoimmunities, high antibodies, um, poor thyroid function, low levels of thyroid hormone. And I've managed to put that totally into remission and I no longer have an issue with that. So I would advise you to go and have a look at those doctors' works, go and investigate it. If the idea of being on lifelong medication and a poorer quality of life doesn't appeal to you, go and have a look at the alternatives. And also have a look at the work of Dr. Noel Rose. I think he passed in 2020, but he is really considered as the father of autoimmunity. And he talks a lot about the environmental trigger. He headed up an autoimmunity research lab at one of the hospitals, and he's done a huge amount of work. So go and research it. There is good news around being able to address your autoimmune condition. I have worked with many clients myself. I have many colleagues who have worked with, with clients, and it is possible to go into remission and not to have to take medications for the rest of your life and not to deal with the side effects from those medications. So I hope that is good news for everyone. Thank you, Anita. And what I'll do, what I'll do is I'll mention the names of the people you have just referred to. I'll put down their names in the podcast notes. Perfect. So if someone is listening to this podcast on their way to work, maybe you can go look in the podcast notes and you will get the names there. Wonderful. Thank you. May I ask you a fun question? Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a grandmother, Anita, and you have a young grandson who lives far away. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to a fantasy world. If you could send your grandson a magical balloon with a little gift tied to it, and this balloon could softly land next to him where he was sitting... What would he see when he looked up? I think the two qualities... So for me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a physical gift, but it would be two qualities that I would like to, to give him. Maybe three. I think the first one would be um, curiosity, that he, he never just accepts things the way they are, but is always curious and wants to learn more about something. I think the second one would be tolerance. Tolerance for 
people that are different to you, to have different ideas to you, because uh, I find that those individuals or those ideas are the ones that challenge you and make you grow and expand as a, as a person. And then I think also kindness. I think that we just need a little bit more kindness overall in the world today. So curiosity, tolerance, and kindness is a gift that I would send him. That's beautiful. And which color does he like? Which color should the balloon be? When you described the balloon, I saw this blue, blue balloon floating. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because it's a little boy, um, because I have a grandson, but I definitely saw this, this sort of light, light blue balloon floating mm -hmm. towards him. Thank you, Anita. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying autoimmune disease, because I must admit I never realized that all those different examples fell under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And what I really find very valuable from my side is to know the role that gut health plays. Yeah. So thank you for that, for that, and also for explaining how it can be treated by functional medicine. My pleasure, Marette. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietsneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 